I'm Ambreen Khan, and this is Inspired. On May 8th, many Muslims around the world, after breaking their fast, will gather to pray through the night in the hopes that it is the night of power, Laylatul Qadr. To understand the significance of the night, we have to go back 1,400 years for the origin story. And that's where we'll find Muhammad at age 40, having survived his childhood, now married and relatively successful. He would often retreat to a cave known as Hira, or he would meditate alone in silence, quiet above the outskirts of the busy metropolis below, Mecca, according to 9th century Arab historian Ibn Ishq. It was on this night, Muslims believe, that Muhammad would have an encounter with Archangel Gabriel, commanding a visibly shaken man to do something most people in the 7th century could not, to read. According to Ibn Ishq, three years lapsed from this first experience until Muhammad began to preach, sharing those revelations and attracting followers. Over 23 years of his life, the collection of revelations would become known as the Recitation, or Quran. And it was preserved to memory, first by Muhammad and then by his close followers, women and men. Those who commit the entire Quran to memory earn the honorific title of Hafiz, Guardians of the Recitation. During the month of Ramadan, the Hafiz often lead prayers each night, beginning on the first with Surah Fatiha. It's known as the opening. Allah God is great. Praise be to God, Lord Most gracious, the most merciful. Master of the day of judgment, it is you we worship, and upon you we call for help. Goddess of the path of those you have blessed, not of those against whom there is anger, nor of those who are misguided. Those clips gathered on YouTube are from Hafiz reciting Surah Fatiha around the world. It's not easy to get the same sound and melody when reciting Arabic. Hafiz, however, they get it right each and every time. To learn how, I turn to someone who would know. It has been preserved letter by letter, vowel by vowel, diacritic by diacritic. Uh, it is about more than 600 pages long. Uh, there's about 114 chapters in the Quran, which we in, in, in Arabic call them surahs. Um, and that's what students memorize uh, every day. That's Harun Bakai. He's the principal of a private religious school in Maryland that offers a special program that teaches young students to recite the entire Quran by heart. Bakai himself started to memorize it when he was very young. I think I learned the Quran because my parents had me do it. Uh, as simple as that. I was six years old or a little, yeah, five or six years old when I first started. I was kindergarten, first grade. After three years of studying, he could recite the 114 chapters and earn the title of Hafiz. It's derived from the Arabic word hifs, 
He explains. So hifz comes from the the Arabic root word hafila, uh, which means to preserve, to preserve something. Uh, and so it comes from the preservation of the Quran. We have a special program for the memorization of the Quran. And so these are students who are memorizing the Quran. They memorize the Quran cover to cover from beginning to end. Uh, they are. This is what they're dedicated to for two or three years of their lives. I met Imam Bakai at the campus that was established nearly two decades ago in an old elementary school purchased from the school system. It hasn't been modernized, but it's got all the sights and sounds of a busy school. What is that? What's that poster of? I see kids of all ages moving between classes, gym, art, science. And a few minutes after the bells ring, we head outside in search for a quiet spot. The kids in the religious memorization school, the HIF school, they will not take English and math. Those subjects are covered in homeschooling with their parents. So I'm curious, what does their day look like here? So I would say their day is pretty much all day. They are reading the Quran, they're memorizing the Quran, they are reviewing what they have memorized. So pretty much all day they're reading Quran from 8, 10 a.m. to about 3:15 p.m., of course, they have breaks like other kids do. They have a lunch break, they have a recess break, they have a snack break, they have a prayer break. Then occasionally they'll go out for a little bit of a PE. Uh, so they have those breaks, they play, but uh, they're pretty much reading, memorizing, reviewing Quran all day. For the HIF students at Imam Bakai school, the rigor of the schedule is not unique. Earlier in the day, I visited another HIF school, this one run by the Dianette Center of America in Lanham, Maryland. I met several teachers and students who ranged in age from 7 to 15. The classes were open for both boys and girls. My name is Ghassan Mubarak. That is Ghassan Mubarak. She is one of the HIFS teachers at the Dianette Center. Now, unlike her students, Mubarak memorized the Quran when she was 20. Most of her students here are much younger. The day I met her, she was teaching six elementary school-age girls wearing colorful headscarves. I asked her if young and older women also attend. Are there a lot of women who are also um, Hafiz al-Quran? Yes, here in Adena Center, yeah. We have 200 and something women came. They have three classes. After I leave Mubarak's class, the imam leads me to another group of students, middle school and high school boys. We're going to take off our shoes. We head into the classroom where 19 boys are sitting at desks reciting. Assalamualaikum. Thank you. Your name? Imam Arachi introduced me to their new teacher, Imam Yakub, and explains how the boys learn. Everybody has different page to memorize and review, and everybody read their own page, okay, loudly, and it's like like a sound of B here, okay, and they read, and whenever they get ready, okay, they go to the uh, their teacher and read, uh, and if they don't have any mistake, okay, they pass the page and uh, they pass the other homework. He invited the students to read for me, and Ali, an outgoing 12-year-old, volunteered. Beautiful. How old are you? I am 12 years old. And when did you start memorizing the Quran? Uh, about 
three and a half years ago. And why did you decide that that was something you were ready to do? Um, I just thought that it would be easier for me to do because I was reaching maturity and my parents wanted me to have a lot of um, reward from Allah. And I, w- I was thinking that I wanted to have a lot of reward. And um, and this is your, you come to school here every day? Yes. And then are you also homeschooled? Yes, I do online schooling. Ah. And um, what's, the, what's the biggest challenge of doing this program? Um, it's in a different language, so it's really hard to do. But still, um, the teachers, like, great, great, like, I'm happy that they're here to teach us. There are a lot of fears about Islam and the Quran. Muslim kids are aware of the misconceptions. I asked Ali how he responds. Like, what is the biggest thing that they get wrong about it? Um, it's not about war or, like, anything like that. It's always about kindness and helping people and teaching, and teaching people. Do you speak Arabic at home? No, I speak uh, Urdu. You speak Urdu. Oh, wow. And do you are you learning the Arabic as well to understand the meaning? Like slowly, slowly. I was my parents and the teachers are thinking that after I finish my the whole entire thing, then I'm going to start learning Arabic. Ali has memorized 85% of the Quran and he has every intention of finishing. It's very important to him as a matter of faith. Imam Bakai explains why. So we say in Islam, the, 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 the primary sources of knowledge, of Islamic knowledge, of Islamic information, Islam, is the Qur'an and the Sunnah, which is the traditions of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Uh, so Qur'an being one of the primary sources of knowledge and information, uh, it is considered a big deal. It's a very important thing in Islam for people to memorize the Qur'an in the Arabic language, uh, the language in which the Qur'an was revealed. Uh, and so it, it's it's considered a part of the preservation of the Qur'an that Allah preserves the Qur'an multiple ways. One of the main ways is by preserving the Qur'an in the hearts of the people. As You know, millions of people across the world, they memorize the Qur'an. For those unfamiliar with the Qur'an, can you just give me like an overview? Uh, so the Qur'an is uh, the, the holy book of the Muslims. It was revealed to Prophet Muhammad, the final prophet, the final messenger, uh, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It was revealed to him uh, more than 1,400 years ago, uh, and it has been preserved since then, letter by letter, vowel by vowel, diacritic by diacritic. Uh, it is about um, more than 600 pages long. Um, uh, there's about 114 chapters in the Quran, which we in, in, in Arabic call them surahs, um, and that's what students memorize uh, every day. And how has that been preserved? Islam, when it's when during the time of the Prophet, you're talking seventh uh, century A.D. How do you ensure that the pronunciation that I'm going to hear in a mosque in Istanbul is the same as I'm going to hear in Mali or in uh, Birmingham, Alabama? Uh, so when we talk about the preservation of the Quran, we say that it is preserved in the Arabic language exactly the way it was revealed. If you pick up a copy of the Quran in, in the United States or in Turkey or in Germany or in Japan, uh, the, the Arabic copy of the Quran will be identical. Uh, different people across the world, they learn to recite the Quran in Arabic. Uh, and that's what it's preserved. Of course, the translations could be very different. Even within a sim- single language, there might be multiple translations of the, the, the Quran, but the Arabic is preserved the way it is. And the pronunciation, as people learn in Arabic, yes, those pronunciations are very similar, if not identical. 
A person who reads the whole Quran is a Hafiz. Is it, do they read it or do they memorize it? Like read it. Read the whole Quran, the whole, study Jews. They study the Jews. And what's a Jews? Yeah, the chapters of the the Quran. Every 114 surahs. There are 114 surahs. And how many Jews are there? 30. 30. 30. 30. And how long do you think it's going to take you to memorize? Two years. Two and a half years. All right, so here's a little quiz. I'm going to say something, and you tell me if I pronounced it correctly. So I would say that overall, uh, it sounded that you were saying it right, but your pronunciation of some of the letters was not right. So, for example, when you say the letter who, when we say who, it's supposed to have what I like to call as an air component, meaning air comes out of your mouth, and a sound component, a sound that comes out of your throat, by the chest area. So you're supposed to say the who as who, who, and not, you know, how you would say, for example, house in Arabic. So there is a peculiarity there. Yeah, so you're like the second person today to tell me that I'm not enunciating. So if I'm teaching it to anyone, like my kids, I'm not teaching it correctly. That is correct. We're talking about two things here. Number one is the idea of pronunciation. The Quran was revealed in Arabic, and at the time when it was revealed to Prophet Muhammad, he spoke Arabic, the people around him spoke Arabic. Uh, later on, as generations go, uh, you know, went on, uh, when Islam you know, spread around in the world, and some of the people who were not Arabs, as they got exposed to the Arabic language, that's where some of these rules of Tajweed were codified. So they, 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 these were codified much later uh, in terms of how people had learned from generation after generation. Uh, so these rules of pronunciation were codified later. We're focused on the way in which vowels and syllables and word sounds are enunciated and recited to ensure that the word is not distorted. But I want to ask you a different question. If you are memorizing, are you also learning the meaning of it? So in general, when we talk about traditionally in, in, the, in the schools, for example, in HIF schools, not just here but across the world, uh, no, we are not, we're not helping them memorize the meaning. We, we do encourage them. We teach them the general um, Arabic words and their meanings and a little bit of grammar such that they have an idea about what they're reading. But no, that's not the focus. The focus is to memorize it as it is in Arabic language. And that, I think, is, um, uh, is it's a miracle of the Qur'an. It's, it's, it's truly a miracle of the Qur'an that there are people across the globe who memorize the Qur'an whose language may not be Arabic. They don't even understand what they're memorizing, but they are able to memorize it. And they memorize it in a perfect way and they can recite it to you in a perfect way Uh, now, yes, you know, we encourage, and that is, of course, people should learn the Qur'an because the idea behind the Qur'an is to implement, you know, what you learn from the Qur'an. So, yes, people should, uh, you know, learn the meanings. 
Do you ever worry that the not teaching the meaning to someone who becomes a Hafiz al-Quran, that it may create an expectation that they are an expert in the Quran? I mean, I in fact, I just interviewed a young person who's completed it, and he's he's now 13, and he's now helping a younger group. And he was so filled with um, a sense of calling and, no question, a sense of deep spiritual meaning for him. But I asked him if he spoke Arabic or if he learned to translate the classical Quranic Arabic, and he said no. He knows the meaning of a few things, but he doesn't. Do you have any concerns? You know, you're almost 40. We live in a world in which you can memorize things, but the distinction between reading and knowing is a big one. So we encourage students. Of course, it's a concern that students, when they, and we, that's what we tell students even at their graduation, that look, what you, what you have done, it's a great accomplishment, but understand this is just the beginning. We encourage them that they should go on and learn more, learn the Quran, uh, enroll in programs that they can learn the Arabic language. Uh, because yes, people do look up to the people who have memorized the Quran because tomorrow they may be leading them in the prayer. They may be leading them in Ramadan. They may be leading them in Tarawih. So yes, we strongly encourage them that they should go on and, uh, and, and, and learn the meaning of the Quran so that they can teach it to other people and they can understand on, for their own selves to understand the Quran in a holistic fashion. One has to learn the Quran as well as the Sunnah, the traditions of the, of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in its totality. Because if you don't, if you learn a few things and then based on that you you know, start passing judgments, of course, that, that, that could be problematic. And, and, and it happens that sometimes people will learn a little bit and all of a sudden they are treated as the scholars and they're not the scholars. Uh, and when people turn to them and they may say something, not that they're, they're meaning to say something wrong or bad, but this is what they know. They don't know everything. They don't know the entire tradition. And that's where people, you know, fall short and make mistakes. Why do you think parents are sending their kids to school here and then homeschooling them later? Why does it have some meaning today? The memorization of the Qur'an in and of itself is considered a virtue. It's considered a virtue in Islam. In Islam, you know, we, we learn that when you recite the Qur'an, when you read the Qur'an, for every letter that you read, you get 10 good deeds, maybe even more, you know, 70 to 700. And then, you know, the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he, he taught us that the best of you are those people who learn the Qur'an and teach it. So if we want to prepare our students to face the challenges of today in the 21st century in the West, or be it anywhere in the world, uh, we know and we understand that the Qur'an that was sent down by the Creator it was sent for people 1,400 years ago today and 1,400 years later. The Qur'an is relevant today. It is relevant here in the United States in the 21st century. And it will be relevant in the 40th century as well. That was Imam Yakup Consiglo, director of the Hif School at the Dianet Center in Lanham, Maryland and Imam Harun Bakai, the principal of an Islamic school and full-time HIFS program. My conversation and trips to the school took place before the pandemic in 2018. Currently, the Dianet School has suspended its programs, while Imam Bakai School continues its courses online. Imam Bakai asked that we not share the location and name of the school for security reasons, and we are honoring that request. 
This segment was originally produced by Lauren Marco and Kevin McCarthy. Coming up, my conversation with national religion reporter Kelsey Dallas. She's taking a closer look at how faith communities are responding to the initiatives, outreach, and actions of the Biden-Harris administration at that 100-day mark. Stay with us. You're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. We'll be right back. Hi, friends. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. I don't know if you know this, but we are on the air all the way from Richmond, Virginia to Ketchikan, Alaska, and in so many places in between. We're a national show, and we are a small and mighty team committed to bringing you stories and sounds from around the world that convey not only the diversity and the pluralism of our country, but the beliefs that are shaping our world, our politics, our culture, and the ideas that sustain us and inspire us to think about where we are going. And that brings me to this question. If you value us, if you enjoy listening and appreciate what you're hearing, I want to ask you to take a moment to consider becoming a sustaining member of Interfaith Voices or make a one-time donation at interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. That's interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. (laughs) 